Hi everyone, happy May. This is Ann Johnson, the lead pastor of New Legacy Linden, and I am so excited that you are joining me today to um, continue in our series in the book of Matthew. Our last sermon two weeks ago was from Caleb Cuevas, a close family friend of ours, and he was incredible in just challenging us to um, become humble with the Lord. And so we're so grateful for his investment into our community. I will be continuing today's sermon on Matthew 15, 32 through 39. Before we hop into this sermon, I wanted to take a moment just to encourage you. If New Legacy Linden is your home church community, I would encourage you to go to our website, www.newlegacylinden.com. Hit the support page and give to the mission and vision of our church to give to what we are doing in the local community. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for your off uh, your very generous tithes and offerings to New Legacy Linden. In case you didn't know, nobody um, on our leadership team gets paid to do what we do. We do this because we believe that God has called us to Linden and to Whatcom to be light in the darkness, to encourage, and to be used to spread the gospel, just like all the other wonderful churches in our area. On Wednesdays, we are continuing our youth hangout with Tanner. So if you have a teenager, please uh, have them show up on Wednesdays at 7.30 to the Zoom call with Tanner. You can text Tanner if you have any questions and you can find the details to the digital youth hangout with Tanner um, on our website, www.newlegacylinden.com in our calendar. And then um, just for our Thursday night takeaways, uh, one of the things that we decided to do in this COVID-19 season of our home church is we are not gathering in person. So uh, when we um, record our sermons for the week, we release them at the latest on Wednesday at 3 p.m. So you can listen to the sermon on our website, um, in our church group. It's readily available. And then we encourage everyone to join us for our Thursday night takeaways. It's going to be a Zoom call. Again, you can find that information on our website. And we will meet Thursdays at 7.30 um, to just talk about what stood out to us in the sermon and um, do prayer requests. And the last of the announcements, Mother's Day is this Sunday. Um, I'm biased. I'm a mother. I love Mother's Day. Um, and I love celebrating the incredible women that I have in my life who have been um, uh, spiritual mothers to me. And so um, this Sunday is Mother's Day. Make sure you celebrate your mama, biological, adopted, spiritual. Make sure you're celebrating the incredible women who have given you life in some sort of way um, on Saturday. So this Saturday, the 9th at 9 a.m., we are going to be meeting in my yard. So that's 405 9th Street. And it's going to be only mamas. And I'm going to set up chairs six feet apart. I'm going to set up coffee, juice, um, some fruit and some pastries and we're just going to gather together in our yard in our pajamas because we ain't got nobody to impress and we are just going to hang out and encourage one another and just kind of take a break so consider it your mother's day weekend mom 
break. I hope to see you there. Please let me know if you have any questions. Email me at newlegacylinden at gmail.com if you have any questions. I'm so excited to see the mamas that can show up on Saturday at 9 a.m. So before I hop into this um, message, let me pray. Um, Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy that is new every day. You are so gracious to us. You love us so well. And God, I pray that um, the moms of our church will be encouraged this week. Lord, that they would know that you did not make a mistake when you made them mothers. You did not. Um, you did not make it a mistake. It was intentional that there is no other person that you would rather have raise these precious children than their mamas. And God, I pray a prayer of protection and blessing and peace and joy over the moms in our church. We thank you that we get to raise our children together. And Lord, I thank you um, for just who you are to us and uh, how you've shown up in our home church in such a unique way in this season. I pray that I would not get in the way of what you want to do um, and how you want to speak to each of us in the sermon, in, in, the, um, in the scripture, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you would like to continue with me to Matthew 15, 32 through 39, I'm going to start reading. It says, There it is. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. The disciples replied, where would we get enough food for the wilderness in the wilderness for such a crowd? Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? They replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them and broke it into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. And I want to take a moment just to acknowledge this probably sounds really familiar because a couple weeks ago, I taught on this very, on um, earlier in the book of Matthew with the feeding miracle. And I talked about how we just learned about this in Matthew 14 verses 13 through 21 and how in this miracle we see the power of provision. We see how God provides. We see um, the power of Jesus and really how in that space and that time he was asserting himself as Messiah. But we also see partnership. In both of these accounts, Jesus is inviting the disciples into this conversation and into this experience of what do they have and then give it to him and he will do something more. And so why, we have to think, well, why would, Jesus, why would Matthew um, add another story of Jesus feeding thousands? Because we see a lot of similarities, 
but we'll also note some of the differences. One of the things that I want to point out, we always talk at House Church about how context is key and how it's so important to read scripture in light of what came before and what came after. And but also we know that repetition in the Bible lets us know that something is really important and that's why it's being repeated. So there is something incredibly important about the story of Jesus feeding thousands that Matthew wants to bring to light. And so we'll notice the um, Matthew 14, 13 to, through 21, you see Jesus feeding 5,000 in this Matthew 15, 32 to 39, Jesus is feeding 4,000. So the idea is that there's still these feeding miracles, but the difference is, is the number of people that are accounted for, the season in which this actually happened, um, the audience, so who was being fed, Jews versus Gentile, uh, the number of resources from the disciples and really also the amount of leftovers. And so the overall story is that Jesus is doing ministry and he recognizes a crowd is around him and they have been with him. So in Matthew 15, um, we learn that this crowd has been with Jesus for days now. They have been following him as he was doing ministry and out of care, and compassion for these people who were following him around. He wanted to feed them because he didn't want them to go home hungry. So we have to ask, what do we learn about Jesus's character in this story? And I think that we learn a lot in this story, but also in Matthew 14 in the um, the feeding of the 5,000. But the two things I want to call out for this message is we see compassion, but we also see action. That Jesus did not just feel bad for the people who were with him, following him, listening to him, watching him do all these things, but he, he felt compassion and then he did something about it. And why that has stuck out to me is that Jesus didn't just stop at feeling bad. He followed it with action. And so the idea of compassion and action are two things that we see about Jesus. And I want to, I, I, I want to pause there. I feel like it's so important for us to pause there because I believe that Christians are known, like we are known for feeling these things, but very rarely are there actions that follow up. And I believe that we should be compelled to act, not just to feel bad for people, to not just feel bad for the single mom who is struggling with her children, but to show up and love her well. Not to say, I feel bad for you. I'm going to pray for you. But And I'm not downplaying the power of prayer, but also that extra extension of showing up. That we are to feel compassion for those around us, and then we are to we are we are meant to act upon that compassion. And we see this in the um, stories of the miracles of the feeding of thousands, is that Jesus had compassion and he did something about it. And I would like to note that the scary thing when you are abiding and aligning in a relationship with God is that he will begin to open up your eyes and your heart to see the pain of those, of those around us. We will begin to see people who need compassion and the stretch 
and our flesh and our spirit is whether or not we will have action that goes with our compassion. If we will stop at just feeling bad or we will say, Lord, what would you like me to do? And I will do it because in here, in Matthew 15, 32 through 39 and in Matthew 14 for the feeding of 5,000, Jesus did not just feel bad. He did something about it. That it is his love for God that compels him to action. It should be our love for God that compels us to love those around us. And I want to say, love those around us well. And so Jesus is compassionate. He takes a step. He makes a move. He does something. And we see that it is his love for God. It is who he is, God himself, that compels him to action. And it challenges me to think, Lord, are there things in my life where I'm actually not compelled to love people around me? Because your love does not compel me. It does not pull me and causes me to lose sleep at night because I do want to know how to love those around me well. And the reason this message and where at home church on Thursday nights, we have this incredible experience to sit in a home and share a meal and walk through verses of the Bible and to take, do our takeaways and to pray with each other. We have this incredible experience on Thursday nights and we're not really doing that now because we have, we're in the midst of a pandemic. We're in the midst of this unprecedented time in our history. I have never pastored through a pandemic before. But something about this message, it resonated with me because just like Jesus had compassion and action, I just believe that now is the time to be known for compassion and action. Now is the time that people would know that Christians, people who profess the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior are not just people that feel bad, but we are going to show up and love people well. And maybe in your mind you're thinking, well, on we can't show up because of social distancing. But showing up could also mean checking in with the single parents in your home who are struggling to homeschool their kids and seeing how you can encourage them. Checking in could be reaching out to the men in your community that you have relationship with and praying for them. Checking in with the teens in your life that you have a relationship with. Just be like, how is school going? How are you doing? Now is a time to be known for action and compassion. I believe that's why these stories are highlighted. That's why we see the miracles of the feeding of thousands. Because we see Jesus' character so incredibly clearly in these stories. And now is the time for us to follow suit. So he has, Jesus has compassion 
and he takes action. But the interesting thing, the thing that constantly is blowing my mind and what I love about Jesus is in both stories, he invites the disciples to participate with him. Jesus knew how many fishes and loaves they had. He's been with them. Chances are he had an idea of their resources. He's also God, so it's not chances are. Jesus knew, but he asks them anyways. And I believe that ask is that action to invite them to participate and to trust him because this is the, this is the second miracle story of the feeding of thousands. The disciples were just with Jesus when he did the last one for a larger crowd. They were there. This wasn't their first time at the rodeo where Jesus says, I, we shouldn't send these people home hungry. They're going to faint. It was like he was setting up the scene to do something fantastic. So he says, so what do you have? And all they have is this. They say, we don't have enough. We have very little. They were just with him. He is doing these incredible miracles in his time of ministry. They were there. And it's like they still didn't get it. And Jesus is so gracious to invite us to participate in miracles. He's so gracious to ask us the questions, what do you have? Because this is what we should do. And it is with little obedience and sacrifice to share that God will take our little, our ordinary, and turn it into extraordinary. That we often use the excuse of not having enough, being enough, as reasons why we don't say yes to the invitation to participate with him. But here, in the feeding of thousands, so Matthew 15, feeding of 4,000, Matthew 14, feeding of 5,000. Their little becomes a lot. The lot becomes the leftover. Because it, our ordinary is always extraordinary in the hands of Jesus. I don't think that Jesus was testing them. I think Jesus was inviting them to see that the little that they actually had in their hands could be turned into something so extraordinary in the hands of Jesus. Because it says he takes the bread and the fish and he thanks God and then he begins to hand it out. They begin to hand it out and they're left with leftovers that there is an abundance. That the small becomes great in the hands of Jesus. Our small things become great things. Our ordinary becomes extraordinary. And now, if now is the time to be filled with compassion and action, what little can we bring to this pandemic? What little can we do to be light in the darkness? What little peace, hope, joy calm can we bring to the conversation right now where it feels like our community is on the edge of anger and explosion that we are all walking through our stages of grief but as a whole it seems like it is significantly more volatile 
So what little can we bring and give to the hands of Jesus so the little becomes a lot, the ordinary becomes extraordinary because Jesus is inviting us to participate. And it is with obedience and sacrifice that we give what we have and it becomes a miracle. Because the reality is that we were always meant to partner with God in all things. And this right here convicted me. Because when, even as I typed out, we were always meant to partner with God in all things. I read it as, I was always meant to partner with God in all things. But we have to ask the question, what are the things in my life, in our life, that we are not partnering with God in? How many times in ministry have I relied more on what I know and the books I have read and the conferences I go to than leaning into what the Holy Spirit can do if I would just partner with him? What breakthrough can we experience in our marriage if we partner with God in the midst of it? What are we missing out on in our families and in our most important relationships because we are not partnering with God in those things in your workplace? What opportunities and what miracles are being missed because you are not bringing God into that space with you partnering with him because we are meant to partner with God in all things and Jesus is continually in this these stories inviting the disciples to participate with him that he could have easily multiplied and provided all that food all the fish and loaves out of nothing you see God do it in the desert hit a rock water comes out manna from the sky Quail from the sky, all these experiences of God doing these things. But here, Jesus invites the disciples to bring their little so he can make it a lot. Because it is a reminder that Jesus is inviting us and how we respond will gauge whether or not we will participate in those kingdom things. That what miracles do we miss out on? Because we don't accept the gracious invitation to participate. What miracles in our family? What miracles in our children? What miracles in our most relation, important relationship? What miracles in our workplace? What miracles in our neighborhood? What miracles in our community? What miracles in our nation? What miracles in all these different arenas of our life do we miss out on because we are unwilling to accept the invitation to participate, to bring our little. We come up with excuses about how our little is not good enough, but I don't know about you, but I haven't read a single story. I can't recall a single story in the Bible where Jesus asked his disciples to just trust him to just bring their things to him and then he shames them into not being good enough. And sometimes I believe that we are what we believe about Father God can greatly shape how we respond to the invitation. If we think it will be shame and condemnation, then we most likely will not engage. 
but we are missing out on the miracles that God wants to have us participate in because we are not accepting the invitation. So I urge you to ask yourself, what missed miracles can I recall? And what am I going to do to no longer miss miracles? One of my favorite things that Martha at Home Church talks about is how our little yeses lead us to these big yeses that, um, that Jesus is constantly giving us opportunities to say yes in little ways. And over time, those little ways become big ways. But he's essentially building our endurance for adventure. And every time we say yes, it kind of opens the door to something more. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss any more miracles. I don't want to miss any more opportunities to participate in what Jesus is doing, what God is doing on earth. So we, t we, we talked about the characteristics of Jesus that we see in this story, the compassion and the action that he takes to feed the thousands again. But it is important for us to pause and ask, what do we see about the disciples' characters in this story? And honestly, what do we see about the disciples' character in this story that resembles our character in life? Like I said, they were they were with him when he fed the 5,000. They experienced this incredible miracle. And then in Matthew 14, after the miracle, Jesus sends the disciples to cross the lake. He goes up to pray. And then Jesus walks on water, signifying his complete dominion and power over all of earth, all of nature by walking on water. And the disciples are freaking out in the boat, thinking it's a ghost. And Jesus is like, no, it's in me. So that, that disbelief, the easy, the easily forgotten experiences. He just fed 5,000. He was healing people. He was setting people free. He was doing all these things. And yet they forget the power of Jesus. And we could look at this story and be like, these disciples are freaking idiots. How could they forget? They were there with him. Oh, these fools. He's doing all these things and they forget. Oh my gosh. It is so easy on this side of the page, on this side of time, to judge the disciples and their character and how they were so foolish. Oh my gosh, they were with him. But I feel convicted about them and about myself. Because more times than not, I easily forget 
the miracles that Jesus has done because I'm so focused on my circumstance that I am unwilling to remember the things that he has done, the freedom that he has given me, the healing, the revival, the, the outpouring, the vision, the call. I forget all those things because in the moment, in the moment of invitation, I forget who Jesus really is because I am not focused on the character of Jesus, on the personhood of Jesus. I am focused on my circumstance. So while we, yes, can say, oh my gosh, those disciples are idiots. How could they forget? They were just with him when he fed 5,000 and now he's just going to feed 4,000. But I urge us to slow down and to take a moment to think about all the times we have forgotten how big God is because we have allowed our focus on the problem to be bigger. So if right now something that you are petitioning for in your life is restoration and reconciliation and healing to the most important relationships in your life, but it seems like that problem is so much bigger than who God is, can I urge you to slow down and take time to write out the things that God has done in your life? If you are waiting for a breakthrough, but the breakthrough seems impossible because the circumstances are, are impossible, can I urge you to slow down and write out the impossible things that our magnificent God has done, that he takes the impossible and makes them possible. Miracles and signs of God's goodness marks every part of our life and it continues to show up and blow our minds, but we have to be willing to see it. Our own expectation of natural versus supernatural blinds us from accepting the invitation to participate in kingdom work. And my prayer for us is, Lord, forgive me, forgive us for all the times we have allowed our unbelief to prevent us from seeing how you do miracles. Help us remember all the things that you have done, all the impossibles that you have made possible. Help us remember how big you are in light of our circumstances. Help us have belief and obedience and courage to accept the invitation to do something in the kingdom of God that we do not want to miss miracles anymore. We want to participate. Help us, Lord, see you in all the things you are doing. Open our eyes. Compel us to compassion and action. Help us be like you. Give us the wisdom and the compassion to spur on each other to be like you.
that when we have opportunities to either be like the disciples or to be like Jesus, help us be like Jesus. Amen. And I know that this sermon is incredibly short for a classic on Johnson sermon. But I wanted to end with a humble, convicted heart challenging us as, for myself as a lead pastor of this church, as someone who loves you dearly, to be like Jesus in the midst of great darkness, that this pandemic will not be over tomorrow. This is spurring in us, forcing us to see things inside of our, the very four walls of our home and our heart that we, not, we might not be, that we might not wanna face. And while we have the hope of Christ in us, it is important to remember that not everyone knows Jesus. So they are facing the four walls of their heart and their home and their life in this pandemic. And we have the opportunity to be light in the dark, to be a voice of hope. Because now is the time for us to be known for compassion and action. So my challenge for us, my takeaway for us is what are we seeing right now in our neighborhoods and in our community that we want to move past just feeling bad or frustrated about it, but we want to do something. Who has Jesus opened our eyes to see and has invited us to love well, but we have not offered our little, we have not offered our ordinary, we have not taken the little that we have and put it into the hands of Jesus to see miracles done? What are we not doing? What missed opportunities? What missed miracles in our very neighborhoods? What are we missing? What kingdom work were we meant to do but our own fear and insecurity, selfishness has prevented us from doing? Because now is the time to be known for compassion and action. Now, more than ever, the world needs to see believers be like Jesus. I love you, church, so much. It was such a joy and a pleasure to dress up as an inflatable Pikachu and like put meals in your car and bless you last week. I, not so patiently, <laughs> am waiting for the day where we can gather together again. But until then, 
Be like Jesus in your community. Be like Jesus in your neighborhood. Most importantly, be like Jesus in your home. May this message spur you on to repentance and worship. I love you. I can't wait to see you again. It is an honor to be in community with you. I look forward to seeing you in the Zoom call on Thursday, May 7th at 7.30. You can find out all the information on our website, www.newlegacylinden.com or in our church group. Have a great day.